0: Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week where I get to either have an amazing conversation with a physician, a medical student, a pre-med student, an MCAT test prep company, or I get to talk about a certain part of the application, like last week where I talked about the MMI and issues that students have with preparing for and really accomplishing and doing well during the MMI. This week, I have an amazing conversation with someone I found on Instagram Her Instagram handle is D1 to Doctor, that's D-R. So D, the number one, T-O, and then D-R. And that's Emma. And she is a Canadian who went to Ross in the Caribbean and is now starting her residency in the States. And when I saw her story and her journey, I knew I had to bring her on. Number one, because I don't have enough Canadian information for all of my friends up North. But number two, because she's a Caribbean student and a lot of you are thinking about going to the Caribbean and then finding out that there's the student who went to the Caribbean, who did really well at the Caribbean, even though she did poorly on the MCAT, did well at the Caribbean, and then even matched at a very prestigious residency program here in the States, I wanted to bring her on to share her story and talk about how she Overcame her obstacles and so much more. So let's go ahead and bring on Emma from D1 to doctor. Emma, welcome to the pre years. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me.
0: I, I am excited to have a Canadian on the podcast. It's not often we get a lot of Canadians. So I'm excited Yay. to hear all of the fun Canadian words come out.
1: Okay. I'll try not to <laughs> say a boot and out. <laughs> yes. So Emma, when
0: did you first realize that you wanted to be a doctor?
1: Um, that It's tricky just because I'm kind of a non-traditional student. I went back to school, med um, school at 27. Um, I, it definitely stemmed from personal um, experiences with my sister. She was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and Graves disease at the same time. Um, and we were actually vacationing in Florida. And her pills for her rheumatoid actually interacted with her Graves and she was like stiff as a board she couldn't move we had to go to the hospital in Florida and and it was absolutely terrible Um, and I kind of from that point I was I looked at it more from a personal view but also like a complexity view I wanted to know why Um, and so that's kind of what planted a little seed back when I was about I think I was about 17 Um, and I kind of just you know throughout basketball and throughout my undergrad I just took the necessary courses and just kind of subconsciously, I guess, kind of just wanted to be a doctor, but it kind of came to fruition after I finished undergrad and was, was really wanting to do it.
0: So let's talk about that. So this was pre undergrad. You have this experience with a family member, which is a very common story, right? A family member, you, uh, personal stuff, something happens. You're like, oh, like this healthcare thing is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that's exactly how it kind of stemmed from that. And I just wanted to know more. And I just, I, I couldn't bear to see her in that pain and I just wanted to help. And for the longest time, I wanted to be a rheumatologist. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where it stemmed from and just took the necessary courses and did well. And so
0: in undergrad, you were pre-med.
1: I, yes, I was a bachelor of science in biology and I took all the necessary courses. So in doing 60 hours a week of basketball, um, at the division one level, I was told I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. And it it was very tough. I fought for my degree almost every single day just because it was very tough to do the demanding basketball but also the labs and um the necessary science courses. So yes, I graduated with a bachelor of science in biology.
0: Yeah, so it's it's interesting. I've had a few student athletes come on the podcast and some of them have said like their program wouldn't let them take oh, yeah. a very demanding uh, pr- uh, major and, and yes. be pre-med. What was that conversation like when you're like, I want to be a doctor, I'm a, I want to be pre-med?
1: <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm not lying, Ryan, it did not go over well. Um, it's, they praise the student athlete mentality, but it very much is athlete athlete. Um, and I was at a mid-major school. So I was at Binghamton, upstate New York, SUNY, um, you know, and that wasn't, it wasn't even like a big South or a big East, you know, the Syracuse, the Tennessee, the Kentucky, uh, and I can only imagine what those girls are going through at a bigger school. But um no, it, it was tough. I mean, every single academic advisor said no, my professor said no, my coaches really, really tried to sway, you know, my my opinion. But you know, I but the best thing I ever said to them was when the ball stops bouncing one day, what do I have to show for it? You know, and I wanted a degree that I was proud of and I wanted a degree that I wanted, and I didn't want them to choose that degree for me. So yeah, it was tough. I fought every single day to do my degree.
0: Yeah. What was it like being a, a student-athlete working hard in your classes? Uh, I'm assuming you, you knew what it was like to get into medical school. You have to have, quote-unquote, right. perfect grades and all this other stuff. As a student-athlete, you I'm assuming you didn't have time to shadow and get clinical experience and go volunteer right. at the local high schools outside of kind of stuff that you're doing with the team doing volunteer stuff.
1: What was yeah. that like? It, it was tough just because, you know, People in my class and especially the organic chemistry and the physics and the really, really tough science courses, you know, they, they got to shadow, you know, when class ended at four, they were done. But I had a four hour practice, you know, so it was definitely really tough. Um, and I think that's why I applied a little bit later on, because I went back to Canada after um, my undergraduate degree was done. And then that's when I did all my shadowing. So I took a couple of years to really beef up my resume. And that's when I shadowed at a local hospital. And I also volunteered as well. So I couldn't do it during undergrad but I was able to get it in after. So that's kind of what saved my resume, I guess.
0: All right. So let's talk about shadowing in Canada because I know there's a lot of Canadian students listening right now going, how did you shadow in Canada? (laughs) It's impossible. I can't find anybody.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes, I do really remember that. And it's tough. Um, They always kind of say the liability factor, you know, they don't want you to shadow. The best thing that I ever did actually was volunteer first. So I volunteer at KGH, which is Kingston General Hospital in Kingston, Ontario. So it's affiliated with Queen's. Um, and I know a lot of Queen's students and a lot of undergrad students do look at Ross. So um, all the Kingstonians are listening, <laughs> making sure that you're volunteering. So I volunteered at the HELP program, which is the Hospital Elder Life program, where you do physical therapy exercises with the elders. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. But that's where you kind of get to meet docs, right? So you're in mm-hmm. the patient's room, you're doing the physical therapy and therapeutic exercises with them. But then you see the geriatrician that comes in, you see the sports doc that sometimes comes in, or you see, you know, just the GP, the general practitioner that comes in. And that's kind of when you make connections. So that was, I, a lot of people try and do shadow then volunteer. I would definitely suggest getting a volunteer then shadowing and making those connections. And they can say, oh yeah, come on in. You can just follow me in my clinic. And they're usually pretty good about it.
0: It's so much easier for a physician and and for a facility in general to say yes after they know you and after they know that you're not going to be bugging them with a million questions and you're not going to be awkward and, and, and say something wrong to the patient. (laughs) So you're getting your face in there. You're getting yourself known first. And they're like, Oh, it's just Emma. Yeah, definitely. You can come in (laughs) and shadow.
1: That's exactly it, Ryan. And that's what I always say to students that write me as well. The Canadians, just making sure you volunteer and make those connections first. And then the shadowing will happen after.
0: Huge. Definitely good advice. So mm-hmm. you, you went back up to Canada. Um, let's, let's talk about finishing undergrad. So I'm assuming you finished undergrad. How did you do grade wise as a student athlete mm-hmm. doing such a, a hard major?
1: Yes, the, it definitely was tough. I actually ended up graduating with honors. Um, nice. I got a 3.7 out of four. Um, I was actually one of the first Female basketball players are graduate with a science degree in 10 years. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty good to walk across the stage and kind of just do a little nod to my coaches to know that I did it. Um, they knew I could do it at the end, but uh, yeah, it was definitely tough to be able to get a high GPA. Um, but again, in Canada, you need like a 4.0 a 4.0. You need like a 3.98 to get in. Um, so I knew, you know, applying back home to Canada was going to be tough. Yeah. Um,
0: Let's talk about and, that. So you you came yeah. to the States for undergrad. And yes. and I don't know what percentage of of students are coming down into the states from Canada. But was your goal all along to go back up to Canada to go to medical school? Yes. Okay. Yes. Why? Definitely.
1: Um just because I wanted to be the Canadian Olympic sports doctor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those are life (laughs) goals right there.
1: Yeah, those are life goals. I'm thinking like 10, 20 years down the line, but no. And, you know, I I represented our country. You know, I had a couple stints with the national team. Um, I didn't ever make it to the Olympics. I was top 45. So, you know, being able to represent my country, um, I thought for sure they'd want me, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh, I applied for two application cycles back home and it was all unsuccessful. And that's kind of when I looked at the Caribbean route, because I was tired of waiting yeah. and if, you know, and that's kind of why I was, I was pretty shocked to be honest, um, that I didn't get any interviews at all. None. So yeah, I don't know what the secret to success is to get into
0: Canadian med <laughs> schools. But... Uh, roll, roll a dice and, and see what right. happens. Uh, right. so let, let's talk about the, the Canadian application. It's, it's yep. very similar to the U S application. So students in the U S listening, uh, it's, it's very similar, but still different right? Mm -hmm. Uh, rolling admissions, I don't think is a thing up in Canada. Um, and there are no application services outside of Ontario, which is your province, correct?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're good, Ryan. You know, all of it. Yeah. I I know. I know a
0: lot. I don't know all of it, but I know a lot.
1: (laughs) I was like, that's pretty good. No one really knows that. So yeah, yeah, that's exactly it.
0: Okay. So you, uh, so in your province, how many medical schools are there? six. There are six, which is why an application service helps. Uh yes. because there are six medical schools and are all six part of the application service?
1: Yes. Okay. Um so you do apply within the Canadian uh sorry, the Ontario kind of application service mm-hmm. and to be honest I kind of forget what that is called, but it is um It's like OMCAS
0: much... or something. Yeah. OMCAS <laughs> I think, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And you pretty much just apply there and mm-hmm. your application is sent to those six yeah. um, in Ontario.
0: So. did you apply to any other provincial schools?
1: I did apply to absolutely everywhere. So everywhere. there's 17 med schools in Canada mm-hmm. and the, the sucky part. I don't know if I should use another word. <laughs> the unfortunate part
0: is that I'm going to have to bleep that out.
1: Oh, wait, really? <laughs> just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> Canadian swearing. I just want to see um, you say sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. So there's 17 med schools in Canada and the unfortunate part of it is four in French. So you really don't have a lot of options. You have like, honestly, like 13 med schools really to apply to um, if you're English speaking. So it yeah. really just limits you incredibly. So
0: which for French speaking, do you know off the top of your
1: head? Um, a lot of them are. So University of Ottawa um, mm-hmm. and then there's Sherbrooke, which is in Quebec. And the other two are in Quebec. And I think one's McGill and uh they have, mcgill has like a two-part so you can either do english or french okay um and also i think university of ottawa as well but then there's another one which is like laval or somewhere else in quebec um okay.
0: yeah okay and there's no point in applying to those unless you are a fluent french speaker right you can't I mean, like, like fake your way in and be like i'm gonna learn before i go
1: <laughs> <laughs> right i was like do i apply and just like <laughs> hope that i maybe get it no yeah you only can do okay. it if you're Francophone. Yeah. So,
0: one of the things that always comes up in our Facebook group, the, the pre med hangouts, is we'll have a student say, I got a 517 on my MCAT and I'm re- going to retake it. And all of the US students are freaking out, going, What the heck? Why are you retaking a 517? And the student will be like, Oh, I forgot to mention I'm Canadian and my yeah. car score is only a 127. Right. Talk yeah. about what that process is like as right. as a Canadian applicant. And and cars being seemingly one of the most important parts of the application. Did you get that sense?
1: Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. And it's the MCAT. Not really so much, just because a lot of the programs in Canada they only take a certain part of the MCAT. So McMaster takes the verbal. University um, of Saskatchewan, I think, only takes the biology. So it's tough to study for these exams because. Mm. Your overall grade doesn't matter, and a lot of the Canadian med schools don't even take the MCAT, but it's the other part of your application, which is like the car you know or the Casper test for McMaster, mm-hmm. and you got to make sure that you do well on Casper, and but they don't really help you with Casper because a lot of that program, um, a lot of it is just people sitting behind a computer and seeing if you got the answers right, and there's really no feedback. So yeah, yeah, these exams are definitely tough. And if you have, you know, a lagging score on one, but you do well on the other, and it's kind of like U.S. med schools, it's really tough. And you know, the MCAT in the U.S. is kind of what separates, you know, great and good students. Just do I think it has a great correlation with med school? Not at all. But um, so it's tough. It's tough because there are less chances to prove that you're worthy of it. And I think that's what's really hard in Canada. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So the Cas- the Casper's interesting. I, I had the creators of-, of Casper on the podcast a while ago, back in episode oh, 303. So we got a little okay. behind the scenes of how they're looking at it and how they're scoring it so to kind of remove some of the secrecy behind it. So that's oh, an interesting I'm one. I'm listening
1: to that after we hang up. Yeah.
0: It's fun. <laughs> and I'm actually speaking. They're doing a conference in Toronto in June, the, the people that put right. on Casper. And I'm actually speaking at that conference. So that'll be interesting. Oh, so, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, so you you applied to Canadian schools the first time. Yes. What was that feedback process like for you? You said earlier that you didn't get any interviews. Nothing. So what do you think was the cause of not getting inter- any interviews and, and how did you seek out mentorship from somebody to give you some feedback on how to improve?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so my very first time that I applied, um, you know, I had all my volunteers, I had extracurricular, I kind of showed that I can do the work, you know, I can do the 80 hour work weeks, you know, with basketball and my undergraduate degree. So I thought, you know, I had, I had good leverage. Um, well, so I thought. And so I applied kind of broadly, you know, you know, mass provincially, and I didn't get anything. I was like, whoa you know okay what do i need to do to beef it up and i think what it comes down to it probably was like my mcat cuz my my i don't know the three digit scoring system i'm the old and did the two digit scoring system yeah but my mcat was absolutely atrocious and so
0: <laughs> what was your mcat score what was your two digit score 17 yeah so that is pretty bad
1: <laughs> that's like probably like four standard deviations from the normal so yeah, yeah. it's really bad
0: and you only MCAT. took it once
1: I took it three times.
0: You took it three times. And what was your highest?
1: 19.
0: Interesting. So that, that is very intriguing to me. Yeah. Somebody who does very well in undergrad with all of the pressures that you had. Right. Doing very poorly on the MCAT. Let's, let's take a break yeah. from, from applications <laughs> to medical school for okay. a second. Talk about MCAT prep. Yeah. Where and do it- you think you went wrong?
1: you know, I did a course at Queens. Um, okay. it was in the basement of like one of the buildings. Yeah. So was, lack of that sunlight.
0: Like, that's, that's part of, of the sunlight.
1: problem. Yeah. It was kind of dungy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. And that's, I get asked a lot of, you know, how did I, how did I study for it? And I think what med school taught me, cause I did very well in med school. I've won two scholarships, actually three scholarships. I've made Dean's list every single semester and there's 10 semesters at Ross. So I've done very well. Um, And I think I didn't prepare correctly in the sense that I didn't know how to really study. Yeah. And until I got to med school, I was like, whoa, okay, this is a little bit different than undergrad. It's a little bit different than any other kind of studying that I did. And I did do the course and I think the course helped me keep on track, but I don't think I fully got the grasp of how to study, how to get this information kind of in my brain. And I'm just not really a good standardized test taker. I think when it comes down to it, but I don't think I could have prepared any differently maybe I just could have studied a little bit harder. I'm not sure. Do really, you think I don't
0: there's know. some level of, well, I, I did well in my undergrad classes. So the MCAT should be fine.
1: Yeah. I, I think so at the beginning, you know, the mm. first, <laughs> the first attempt. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, maybe I actually should do a course. So then <laughs> I did a course for my third attempt before my third attempt. Um, and then I still only improved by two points. And I just was like, I'm yeah. And so that's kind of, where I can see my application hugely lacking, but then again, Canada doesn't really, a lot of schools don't take the MCAT at all. So it's just, I don't, removing that factor from my application, I still don't know what I could have done more for Canada. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. And are the schools very open about taking the MCAT, not taking the MCAT or what section Mm -hmm. of the MCAT they want?
1: Yep. It's right on their website.
0: Good. Okay. Yep, I like that. Um, so that, so, potentially the the gpa the you're obviously a great gpa for a student athlete for somebody in a science Mm -hmm. major but not good enough for right canadian medical schools did you ever think about applying to u.s medical schools
1: you know i didn't (laughs) which i don't know why I didn't, and I just, I heard of Ross, and I met a couple of alumni actually in Canada and Ottawa, um, you know, just in passing, like, oh, he went to Ross or she went to Ross, and I was like, okay, hey, what's this Ross thing? <laughs> so um, I, I honestly, just from looking back, I probably had good enough GPA maybe to do like DO or MD, like we don't have DOs in Canada, so I wasn't too sure of the DO route until I met a couple of DOs. Yeah. Um,
0: you have, you have DO physicians. You don't have any DO medical schools.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think the credentialing is a little bit different when mm-hmm. they cross the border, but yeah, so we don't have any DO, uh, med schools. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I, I def, I didn't look at U S schools and I just, I applied to Ireland. I applied to Australia and I applied to the Caribbean.
0: Okay. When you applied to Ross or to, to all the Caribbean schools, how much research did you put in about going to a Caribbean school and, and seeing potentially a lot of horror stories from students and and all of the negativity. Don't go to Caribbean. You'll, you'll never get into, to a residency, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. The best thing I ever did, Ryan, honestly, was to stop reading the online forums. (laughs) (laughs) They are awful. Um, my, my thing with people is I always say, you know, they're the online forums. If you want to be well-informed I, I would just stop reading them. You know, they're filled with crazy stats. And I always feel like they're filled with people that are too afraid to make the jump themselves. And so they kind of put a huge stigma on it. Um, and that was kind of my reasoning to do the blog. You know, that's why I have my blog. I have my YouTube channel. I have my Instagram following just because, it, you know, I'm kind of proof that you can do it if you put a lot of work in. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, to answer your question, I only applied to Ross. Um, I went to a Toronto seminar um and I listened for about a day, like half a day, whatever however long the seminars last, I think like eight to four. And I loved it. Um, I definitely felt that I was more prepared going to the seminars. And I always say to students, if you know, look for a seminar that they do they do one almost every single month in major cities. Mm-hmm. So I said, go to a seminar, ask questions personally you get to meet alumni um, that are on the alumni panel and you get to ask alumni specific questions, which is great. And the biggest thing of doing YouTube videos is that when I was applying four years ago, there was no real student's perspective on the Caribbean route. Hmm. And so that's kind of how my blog started. And I just try and answer as many questions as possible through each week and show that Caribbean grads can do it.
0: <laughs> they can do it. Let's talk about your your time there. Uh, thinking about the timeline uh, I'm assuming you were either just off the island or still there when the hurricane went through a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. What was that like for you?
1: Yeah. So the time that I was in Dominica, there were two, two hurricanes that hit really bad. So thankfully I was in between first and second semester and I was in vacationing in Barbados and I thankfully was not there, it, but it was really bad from what I've heard. Um, and then the second time I was hit, we were also just leaving the island. I finished four semester, and the island got hit. It, and that was why Ross is now in Barbados. So mm-hmm. there's no more Dominica. Um, there's no more Ross Dominica. The campus is not there anymore. Um, and so the move to Barbados was because the way that Barbados is shaped and way it's positioned, it doesn't get hit as often as Dominica. So yeah, it's definitely tough. I mean, you are definitely in a country <laughs> that's not U.S. or Canada, and it's it's definitely different. Um, but the great thing about studying in the Caribbean, I think, is that there's no distractions at all. So you are on an island, you, it's beautiful, but you are secluded, kind of away from family and friends, um, and just kind of buckling down to get the job done.
0: Some distractions students will mention are the students who potentially maybe shouldn't be at school, and they, they <laughs> quote unquote, drop like flies. What was that like when you're seeing a lot of your classmates thin out over the course of the semester?
1: Right, and that, and that is one thing I did want to touch on is that I get asked a lot about the attrition rate. The attrition rate, to be honest, is not that high. I had 200 people starting in May of 2015, 180 if my class got off the island the same time that I did. The people who fail are the people who are there for family pressures, who want to think it's just a party and thought they'd have the money to do it anyway. And the people there that are not sure if med school's for them. So if you want to do med school and you're not here because of family pressures, you're not here because you just have money, you will pass and you will be fine. Yeah. So it's the people that attrition rate, the attrition rate high because of the people that don't want to be there. And it's the people who are there because their family is telling them to be, and they just can't do the work because no one can make you sit for 12 hours and study. You have to want to do it. Yeah. So
0: and and you also rate, went to Ross, which is one of the more well-known and one of the yes. more respected Caribbean schools that actually makes sure to a certain extent they're, they're getting the yes. right students.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, the attrition rate's high, definitely compared to U.S. and Canadian med schools. Um, but you have to look at who were the people failing. And that's yeah. where Ross does not deliver that information. I've tried. I've tried to get the stats, um, Ross, we, there's no posting of it, of yeah. you know, but just from personal experience, uh, I know the people already, many of them the first day that are not going to make it and you just have to focus on yourself, focus, you know, you're going to see people partying, you're going to see people not taking it seriously. And those are the people who fail.
0: Yeah. As a Canadian down in Canada, what is it like for, for tuition and financial aid and all of that?
1: yeah so um again, a good Ryan, you're awesome with these questions because this is literally like all my same topics that I get asked as well is um so for candidate for Canadians studying abroad, um, you have to get a bank loan that's the only way to be able to afford it so Ross is twenty four thousand every four months, and that is in American dollars Oof. so yeah it's <laughs> it's insane and the the conversion rate is what eats up your loan yeah. so every single time I paid tuition, I lost ten thousand. Every single time, <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, it hurts so much to see your loan completely just getting eaten up by just the conversion rate. So, um, yeah, it's expensive. You definitely need a bank loan. Um, OSAP, which is our provincial loan, um, gives a maximum of ten thousand a year. Uh, not a lot, but enough to for groceries or travel or you know to help you a little bit with you know. Kind of necessities that you need, mm-hmm. but yeah, you definitely get a bank loan. CIBC and TD and RBC are the best three that uh, I've heard uh, from the other Canadian Rossies that have done well.
0: Rossies, I like that term. That <laughs> yeah, before.
1: that's what we call each other.
0: <laughs> Rossites, Rossies. Yes. Um. I like Rossites. Yeah, Rossites. Is good. The for for the loans. Um. Just thinking mm-hmm. about how loans work here in the states, especially private loans like a, right. a bank loan how friendly are they now that you are starting residency to know like, Hey, I'm not making a lot of money. You're Mm -hmm. living in a big city. And so your, your pay is going to get eaten up pretty quickly. Are they friendly to quote unquote professional loans like that to say, look, we know you're going to be a doctor. Don't worry about paying us back right away. And once you start making some money, then you can pay us back.
1: Um, so I don't, think they're that friendly. Um, they're friendly enough where they give you a six month grace period. Okay. So they give you enough time to kind of get on your feet, have a couple of paychecks by then. And then you pretty much decide how much you pay back. So you can go online and you have like a calculator um, and you can decide, you know, how much to put towards the principal and how much do you put towards the interest. So the great thing about Canadian bank loans is that the interest is only 2.3%, Wow. which is amazing. So, That's very um, good. Very, very good. So uh, the interest is not that bad. So my goal, um, starting in July, I will pay a thousand towards the interest, and then I will put a thousand towards the principal. Because the interest right now is about nine hundred dollars a month, and -hmm. my parents thankfully have been able to pay that. Um, And so now that I have a job, (laughs) I will take that over. And they're usually really good. Like a lot of CIBC kind of bank experts or bank advisors will kind of sit down with you, and they know that a lot of your funds are going to be in American funds, right? So they'll they'll uh, they'll find a way, and I'm actually going home to Canada on thursday actually to to talk about this of how to pay it efficiently from my u s salary to a Canadian loan, yeah, so I can definitely give you an update or write a blog post or something that kind of walks people through having to pay it back yeah um but yeah they're they're pretty friendly they they definitely know that uh, you are a resident and then um you kind of pay it back with at, at your leisure pretty much good
0: as a Canadian in the Caribbean. When you go and you do your rotations,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are you able to go back up to Canada to do rotations yeah. or are you forced to go to the States where a lot of things are set up? How does that work?
1: <laughs> yeah, great question. Um, your third year of med school is going to be at one hospital in the US. And then in fourth year, you can do as many electives as you want back home in Canada. So in fourth year, we have nine electives for each four weeks, so 36 weeks. And I, I know two Canadians that went home and did nine out of nine electives back home in Canada. So you can stay there for as long as you want. The sad part is, is that Canadian fourth year electives for IMGs are done by a lottery system. So you put your name in, you pay a whole bunch of fees, and it's all lottery. So you do not know (laughs) if you're going to get it or not.
0: (sighs) And if you don't get it, are you scrambling at the last minute to do something?
1: Yeah, you won't be able to do any in Canada if you don't get any. Yeah.
0: Yeah but yeah. you can still find something in the States to do.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And when you were deciding to do rotations, uh, for your fourth year, did you want to go mm-hmm. back up to Canada at all? Or were you pretty set on staying in the States for all of your training? And so you decided to stay.
1: Yeah. The, the second time that I got rejected from, you know, no interviews at all. I knew I wasn't going to come back home to Canada. Just because my biggest thing is if they didn't want me as a medical student, they're not going to get me as a physician. So hmm. I'm not, I wasn't even going to try. You know, I was like, I represented our country. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to try and get back home and jump through a bunch of hoops. So yeah, I know as soon as I got into Ross, I knew that I wanted to be a sports med doc in the States and kind of been on that path ever since. So I knew that when fourth year came, um, I knew that to do, was to do all my electives in in the States.
0: Yeah what was the the decision for you elective wise to to pick where you wanted to do your electives based on potentially where you wanted to train
1: right so in third year uh the start what Ross does is they give you a list so they give you a list of um kind of the affiliated u s hospitals that they are that are starting um near your it's called I should probably back up. It's called IMF, which is called Internal Medical Foundations. And that is an eight-week course just before you start your clinical rotations. And at the start of IMF, what Ross does is they give you a list of potentially starting clinical rotations around your IMF time. Um, so, you know, say so SJMO in Pontiac, Michigan, Kern Medical Center in California, Atlanta Medical Center in Atlanta, et cetera, et cetera. And really, it was kind of fluke of how I chose because my husband is also with me. He came down to me with the island. He's been with me ever since. And I wanted to go to a state where he could teach because he's a teacher. And I had Chicago, New York, and California and Atlanta. <laughs> Those are the four choices that I had. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't teach in New York because it's a pretty—it's a private sector and it's pretty hard to teach up there. We did not want to live in California. And I'm kind of sick of the cold being Canadian. I did not want to live in Chicago. <laughs> So uh, yeah, we just chose Atlanta and I found out that Emory is an amazing institution, especially for sports medicine. And I did two electives during my fourth year at Emory and just fell in love with it. And honestly, it's just kind of played out exactly how it should. So
0: let's talk about it because Emory is one of those great institutions in the US. And Mm -hmm. now you're a resident there as a Caribbean applicant. Now Mm -hmm. a lot of students... Uh, who think the Caribbean isn't a place that anybody should go to? But like, how did you get uh, a residency at, at at Emory? Right? Yeah. Um, talk about the process uh, as an IMG, an international medical graduate, yeah. getting a great residency spot. What do you think led to you being able to match at Emory?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's a process. It's definitely not kind of a quick. Quick explanation: It definitely comes from working really hard during the third and fourth year. So I just made sure that I put myself in a position to meet as many people as possible. So I went to the sports medicine conference. I went to the AFP conference in Kansas City, which is a highly, highly recommended if people want to do family medicine. So a lot of my interviews actually were because of that conference. Um, I beefed up my resume every single time that there was, you know, volunteer opportunity, which is like a free clinic downtown Atlanta. I would go if they're doing sport physicals at a local high school. I would, I'd ask to go. And I'm kind of like very type A. And, you know, I found out when the Emory didactics were and I showed up. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Yay! And, and it's it's like,
0: hard hey, to miss the <laughs> 6'4 <laughs> students standing right there.
1: Yeah. And they were like, you want to come to didactics. <laughs> and, you know, I, and they knew my name. And um, I met the associate director of sports medicine fellowship at Emory and uh, Dr. Janthi who's been my mentor, actually, the past couple of years. And I asked to do an elective with him. And he was like, yeah, come on down. Uh, Yeah, you can just follow me around for the month of April if you want. I was like, wait, really? Uh, Okay. You know, but going to that conference gave me that connection, right? And um, handed him my card. I got cards made and shook his hand and um, did an elective with him last April and fell in love with sports medicine, obviously. And he actually helped me get a a family medicine sub-internship with them in September um, at the family medicine department. And said, so, you know, you got to give this girl a shot. You know, she's an IMG, but she is uh, one of the better medical students that I've had, and I think that you should give her a shot. And I wrote to it in September, and the interview went very well, and kind of just played out from there. So, yeah,
0: so you're yeah. the you're the perfect example of a student who I who I say when when I when I talk to students, and they're like you have to go to a prestigious medical school to get into a prestigious residency. I'm like, no, right. you don't. It's all about who you are as a person, not 100%. the name on your diploma. And so you're out there showing your face as often as you can. You're going mm-hmm. to conferences, showing your, your interest and your involvement and your dedication you're showing up to didactics and doing all this fun stuff. And and so you're putting in the work and effort, which uh, obviously as a student athlete, it's just something that you've been doing and and growing up on a 3,000 acre farm, something you've been doing since you were born. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. But but that's exactly what I mean by when when I tell students, it's all about who you are as a person, not where you went to medical school. And so you are... Quote unquote, from, from the pre-med world, if you go onto some of these websites, you, you went to the, the black cat of the medical yep. schools down in the Caribbean, and here you are living the life that you want to live at an amazing institution, getting ready to, to start your residency to, to get on the path that you want. And yeah. it's about what you did and who you are and the, the adjustments and the pivots that you made along the way.
1: Oh I like that Boswell reference, that
0: you like great. that, yeah,
1: yeah, that was good, <laughs> yeah, I know it's so true. I mean, you nailed it right on the head it's it's, yeah, I went to Ross, but you know what i i i'm I never let that be a label or like a scarlet letter i I never let that limit me, and you know, and I think having that attitude is what got me through, you know, and I say proudly I'm a Ross student. I mean, there's six hundred and fifty of us matched last month. You know, there's a lot of people that match and in in multiple specialties. Mm -hmm. So you really just have to say, you know, I'm I'm a med student just like my US counterpart and I'm gonna work my butt off. And that's exactly what I did. So I just didn't take no for an answer. (laughs) That's pretty much exactly what I did. So Yeah. yeah.
0: Having gone to Ross now, having matched in the specialty of your choice at a at a great location.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For the U.S. student, even the the Canadian student, would you say, oh, y- you should definitely apply to the Caribbean right out of the gate?
1: Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what do you mean? You just said oh you God. love Ross. I love Ross, <laughs> but it also took me two years of application cycles. And then I went to Ross. Mm-hmm. So my biggest thing is definitely try, like try, I mean, try in your home country, um, you know, try more than once if you want. Um, do, do you think I, I probably could have applied to Ross after my first year of applications, mm-hmm. um, but looking back a year is a year, but you know, and definitely try a home first. And then if that's not, then, then definitely go, um, I know some people that did just go straight, you know, they're 23, 24, or or even less than that, like 21 that went straight from college to Ross and they loved it. So it it totally depends, you know, if you're a second career changer at the age of 40 with three kids, I I know many that did that as well. So it it totally depends on a where you are, like socioeconomic, but also where you are in your life. um, And if you've tried back home, but no, definitely try back home and then definitely look the Caribbean second, and that's that's what I've always said.
0: I know you haven't been into your career very long at this point, mm-hmm. but at any point in the process, has being a Caribbean student been a hindrance to you?
1: The only time that I would say that I've experienced it was with surgery attendings. Um, not that that's like a huge umbrella, and all surgery attendings yeah. you know, think that way, but they are. Quite traditional, and you know, as soon as I said I'm from Ross, so like, oh, where's that? And it's kind of like, oh, that's not in the Caribbean, is it? I'm like, well, yeah, I know. And then, and then I I do well in the case, and I retract for four hours and don't make a sound. And you know, it's I feel like the stigma comes from the online forums, and it, it's been my mission to create a safe haven on the internet for Caribbean grads, you know, alumni, interest people. Um, I haven't gotten up and running yet, but I've, I really, really, really want to try and get it just because I feel like the online forums portray it to be this nasty, nasty thing. Um, and it really isn't. It isn't as bad as what they're talking about. And the nutrition rate is not that high. But the stigma that I've gotten from, again, was probably from my my, my trauma surgeon attendant, actually. Um, and then at AFP, which is the like American Academy of Family Physicians back in Kansas City that I went to in August, there were a couple times, a couple states, uh, what what they do is it's just rows and rows and rows of programs and they have it all organized by state. And there were a couple of states, I think it was, I'm not going to name any states, but there were a couple of programs that were, as soon as I said I was a Ross student, they kind of just, you can just see the conversation dying in a very polite <laughs> way. <laughs> and, and I knew, I'm like, okay, you know what? That program is not really IMG friendly and that's okay. Um, yeah. And so I went to another program and they were, they've had Ross students match there before or SGU or AUA or AUC and SEBA. Um, so I knew, okay, I can talk to these people. So it really is. I think it's times are changing. I think a lot of programs are very IMG friendly, um, and a lot are, are starting to. You know, there's there's one IMG that matched into a, a very prestigious program. You know, and this is the first time. So I'd give it a couple of years, and you never know. So, yeah.
0: and again, it comes down to who the applicant is. You could you could be I the agree. the best yeah. person at Ross, the best grades, the best board scores, and if you're. Uh, kind of a loser of a person and don't do well in your rotations and you're arrogant, then you're not going to do well either. Yeah. And that's not because you went to Ross. It's because you're an arrogant person.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh.
0: Yes. (laughs) we don't know any of those people from med school
1: though. No, not at all.
0: So having looked at kind of your journey, I know you said you, you don't have any desire at this point to go back up to Mm -hmm. Canada what is the process if, if you've looked into it at all? Yep. Once you finish your residency here in the States, how easy it is it for you to go back up to Canada to practice if you if somebody wanted to do that?
1: Right. Um so it's very um resident uh specific. So residency programs, I should say. So failing medicine, I can walk across the border. Mm-hmm. I don't do any extra exams, I don't do anything. I get watched, I think, for six months to make sure I don't kill anyone, and then I get my license handed to me. That's it. I don't do anything. So family medicine is very friendly because it's two years back home in Canada and it's a three-year program here in the States. So I'm actually over-trained. So Canada's like, oh yeah, we want you because you have an extra year. Come on back. So internal medicine is four four years back home. It's three years in the States. So you have to do a one extra year of a chief resident Or what you can do is you can do a year in fellowship and then you can cross back over without any extra exams. But if you do go back with only three years of internal medicine, you have to do one extra year of internal medicine residency back home in Canada. So it is very, very, very different depending on what specialty that you do. But the reason why I kind of also wanted to do family is I knew if I ever wanted to go back home to Canada, I knew I could just cross over and there's no extra. So if you want to do a residency in Canada and enter the CARMS match, you have to do four extra exams on top of your U.S. boards. Oof. I was not about to do that. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thanks. Yeah.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah. So I want to go back into, for a minute, before we wrap up,
1: yep. the,
0: the mindset for you, you talked about struggling with the MCATs. You did well in undergrad GPA-wise. Obviously, MCAT's a completely different beast. Yeah. And you said once you were in medical school, you you figured out how to study. How did you do that? When mm-hmm. when you start medical school, it just it never ends. The information never ends. How did you figure out and take the time and and, and have the time to to really figure out what to do to work for you for medical school?
1: Mm-hmm. So what Ross has actually is called the MERP program. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Ryan, mm-hmm. but it's called the Medical Education Readiness Program. And what they do is when I applied to Ross, they looked at everything. So they looked at my GPA, they looked at my MCAT, they looked at my extracurriculars, volunteer, et cetera, et cetera. And they they saw my MCAT. <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> and, you're, like, and okay. that's
0: the perfect MERP person, right? Is, is right, that MCAT right. score.
1: It's the MCAT score. So like, okay, like we know that she can do the work. Her GPA is okay. Everything else looks fine, but you know, we, she might need just a little extra prep because of her MCAT. Yeah. And I loved that Merp program. It was 15 weeks. It was an amazing program. And it kind of taught me my study style. And, you know, if you don't have Merp, but that's okay. Um, there, There is time to kind of figure out your study style there. But it, it, I realized I love studying alone. I, th- I thought I was like, going to be a group person. And, I, you know, we discussed everything. Uh, but I just love just studying by myself and trying just to work on lectures by myself and listen to lectures again by myself. And I think that, knowing your study style early on in med school is what really helped me just because I know I see people switching how they study almost every time after an exam. So the, be- the biggest thing I can say is find your study style early and stick to it because it's tough to keep switching back and forth if you do group study or if you write everything on your iPad or if you do paper or if you print everything on lecture and follow along, if you're a class goer or if you want to do media site and watch the lectures later. So finding all of that is what's really truly helped me in MERP um, and I I think I I did as well at Ross because of that program.
0: Yeah. And what percentage of the Ross students uh, actually have to go to Merp first? Do you know that?
1: Um, I don't know the percentage, but I know in good old North York, Ontario, there was 13 of us in my class okay. and we all passed all 13 of us. Mm-hmm. And then in Miramar, Florida, which is a second location, there was about 100, 125, 150 students. So I'm not really too sure the percentage wise, but okay. it is, it is quite a few students that do get Merped.
0: Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. an, another nice thing that uh, obviously Ross, and I don't know if any of the other um, me- medical schools in the Caribbean have that is they're, they're really screening. It's, it's yeah. almost like, uh, the, the minor leagues be like, we're going to make sure you do well in the minors before we uh, bring you up <laughs> exactly to the majors it. here. Yep. Okay. Very cool. Yeah,
1: that's exactly it. But yeah.
0: What haven't we covered that maybe comes up a ton questions oh. that you get asked a lot by students that we need to cover before we end our session.
1: The biggest question I get asked from Canadian and U.S. med schools alone is, or just students is just is it doable? You know, is the Caribbean route doable? And mm-hmm. I think I I see that word weekly. Yeah, and and I and it is it truly it yeah. is. You know, with my MCAT score being that atrocious, to my board scores being meh, you know mediocre, and I still matched at Emory. You know, so it definitely is like you said, it's you as a person, and if you want it, and if you're willing to put the hard work in, you're going to be fine. So that's. I'm just here to say, like, yes, it is doable. As a Canadian who studied abroad, who matched in the U.S., doable.
0: All right, there you have it. Again, that was Emma. You can find her on Instagram, D1 to Doctor. Her website, D1 to Doctor. Same spelling, D, the number one, T O D R dot com, And then she has her YouTube channel as well. Go check out all of her information, inspiring people, helping people understand the process of going to the Caribbean, and so much more. She's the perfect example. I talk about it all the time. We talked about it during the interview. The perfect example of what I mean when I say that it's all about who you are as a person. Don't worry about the name on your application. Don't worry about the name of your undergraduate institution. Don't worry about all of the little things that you're worrying about. If you are a good person, if you are going to put in the work, if you are somebody who can get along with people and you're showing your dedication and motivation and and really everything that goes along with with your journey, then you will do well. Now, Emma put in the work. She went to conferences. She, She made her face known everywhere that she could. She made her name known everywhere that she could. And she ultimately ended up at a great institution here in the US as a Ross graduate after being denied twice to Canadian schools. Hopefully this was helpful for you, whether you're Canadian or not, whether you go to Caribbean school or not. Hopefully this was helpful, give you some motivation on your journey to medical school and beyond. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on The Pre-Med Years.